It's creature o'clock, so ring that buzzer. It sounds like a lion roar. Roar! And open the door to join us for the 61st meeting of the Animal Fan Club. I'm a hibernating frog buried under layers of pond muck, Mike. And I'm... Meredith. We meet every week at our clubhouse. We like to call the Dalmatian Station. To talk about our favorite animals. What we lack in expertise, we make up for in unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow! Oh! Saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, finniest, and fuzziest podcast in the whole kingdom, Animalia. Yay! (laughs) We did it! Back for another week! We're definitely back, Meredith. Yes. I couldn't be more excited. Good to see you. It's good to see you. Did you have a good week in animals? I, you know, I guess. I just, not a lot's going on. I'm not really leaving the apartment that much. So I'm not even getting my, like, going for a run doggo sightings. But um, I will say that I talked to my mom on the phone this morning. And she literally uttered the words, oh, do you hear Claude scampering in the background? Aw. <laughs> Described him as scampering. Isn't that so cute? That's I was like, very cute. And I and then I listened and I was like, yes, I do hear him actually. Yeah, you just hear the little like. <laughs> no, it's just more like a like a background shuffle, but I do love that. Uh huh. That little pitter patter, tiny turkey feet. Aw. <laughs> yeah. I... The tiny little beat of turkey feet. That's what I was trying to say. Turkey lurky feet. <laughs> But how is your week in animals, Mike? Oh, very similar, Meredith. I have been giving strong hibernation energy today. I I mean, like, I don't know. I got up. I made breakfast. I, you know, sat at my computer for a little bit. But then I went and laid back in bed or sat up in bed and we watched TV for several hours until Hell like yes. six in the afternoon. So that was great. And um, that's a great day. Yeah, it was a really nice day. And then, you know, I've. I went back to my studio. I set my drums back up. I recorded some disco drums. I'll tell you, if you just want to feel good, the disco groove on the drum set is a really <sighs> great way to feel good. And uh, tracked some percussion stuff, so that's good. I got some like recording stuff that I'm working on now, which is nice. And then, you know, for this world to come, we're stalling and we're doing these little mini sods, these little mini episodes to yeah. buy us additional time to make these monstrous half hour enormous ridiculous like episodes. high production yeah that's like a half hour solid of music and you know actors it's just a lot right not to throw open the barn doors on production we secretly do love to do that we're doing these little minisodes and so i'm thinking a lot about the creatures of this world five borough like in mm-hmm. staten island the seagulls and then the rats of manhattan the cats of the Bronx and the birds of Queens yes, and the sounds they make. So that's been a fun place to be. I'm all about that. Oh, the cats of Queens. Well, the cats of the Bronx. The cats of the Bronx. I'm sorry. The birds of Queens. The birds of Queens. Uh, That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, that's been really fun. And I'm kind of happy to be recording again. You know, it's nice to be like back tracking drums. It's really 
pretty fun. I haven't been playing that much lately, so it's nice to be doing that. Yeah, get in there. Explore your animal side. Yeah. That's a Muppets reference. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It took me a long time to learn how to play like that. That's the truth. It took me a long time to learn how to just let go. You know? I mean, yeah, he's no slouch, that no, animal. No. <laughs> no. And I'm excited, Meredith. I have this microphone that I've owned for about six months now, and I'm finally using it for this podcast, so that's exciting. You came up on this screen, and I was like, who is this professional podcaster before me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to get paid before it's a profession, you know? Well, that's true, but you're you're looking the part. Yeah. Well, you know, this is just a good encouragement for our listeners to purchase as many brand clubby products as possible because when you use those coupon codes, you know, we get some yeah, we get residual, like a little bit of a kickback. And we can tell that y'all haven't actually been shopping at the brand clubby web portal because we haven't really been getting any kickbacks. So <laughs> if you want us to get paid, we're going to need you to step it up and purchase some brand clubby products. You're going to hear about two of them today. Yeah. And these are some good ones. Yeah, they are, Meredith. That being said, do you think we should just get into it? Yeah. It's an odd episode. You go first. Yes. Stay tuned. Are you ready to kick it off with the old taxonomy cheer? Yeah. Okay. Taxana you. Taxana we. Taxana who. Taxana me. Kingdom. In Amelia, where the zooiest of the podcast. Phylum. Cordata. Oh, to have a hollow spine. Class. AIDS. Wings, wings, wings. Order. Pacera forms the most proficient perchers. Family. Pacerella Day. New world sparrows. Genus. Papilio. Tuhito me. Species. Papilio. Erythropalmus. Often heard but lesser seen. It's the eastern towhee. Oh, the eastern towhee. Yes. Which is a bird. It's a little birdie. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't know, before today, I didn't know about the tohi either. So. I'm unfamiliar with the tohi. Yeah, I as I, as was I. But apparently, they're probably all around us, and we've just never really, like, known it. Okay? Yeah, I believe you. Stay tuned for this. Okay, so actually, I got the inspiration for today's presentation from Anthony is reading this book called How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. I haven't read the book and there's a long subtitle about it, but essentially I guess she's trying to like break our dependence or has a philosophy for breaking our dependence on like the internet and, you know, constant. Sure. The constant constant stimulation, feedback, FOMO. Exactly. So she was saying one of the things that one could do that is essentially doing nothing is like bird watching because you're just kind of sitting and looking and, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to why a bird might show up or not show up and you know sure it's a very passive activity but anyway so she was like listing off like the different birds she might encounter and she mentioned tohi and i was like record scratch what was that (laughs) the tohi and i looked it up and it's a cute little bird so tax facts tow me more (laughs) tohi me more tohi me more (laughs) So, obviously, class Aves, we know it, we love it. Yeah. Wings, 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 birds. Order Passeriformes, we've talked about them before. So, this is Latin for, so passer means sparrow in Latin. Formis equals shape, so sparrow shape. Okay. And this includes more than half of all bird species. 
the passeriformes. Okay, so it's like the persiforms of birds. Yes, which is kind of complicated and scary to say that because it's this. These are the passeriformes, and those were the persiforms. Yeah, they're just okay. like trying to fuck us up. They really are. Yeah, it's not fair. Okay, so these are the perching birds or the songbirds, and then they also are called this because they have a unique arrangement to their toes. So they've got three pointing forward and one back, which makes them like ideally suited for perching. Right. Hence being called the perching birds. I'm sorry, Meredith, this is the order? Yep, this is the order. Yep, Pisceriforms. So sparrow-shaped. Yeah. And then family, we get into the... Passerelli Day. Passerelli Day. And so these are seed-eating birds with conical bills. What's up, Darwin? And they're going to be often like brown or gray in color, distinctive head patterns. And this is going to include your sparrows, your tanagers, your juncos, your brush finches, for instance. Mm. And then we get to the genus of Pipilo. And this is Five species total, and all of them towhees. The green-tailed, the collared, the spotted, the Bermuda, but the Bermuda is extinct, and the eastern, our friend for today. Okay. So the species, Pipilo urethropthalmus, the eastern towhee. Okay. Okay. So what do these guys look like? What are we looking for if we're going to go do nothing and watch for birds? Sure, yeah. So they're... They're going to be, like, larger than a sparrow, but smaller than a robin. So for those of you who are, like, familiar with birds on the, like, eastern half of the United States, sparrows and robins, probably some of the most common birds you're going to ever see. These guys are going to be, like, kind of in between those two in size. Okay. Just wrap our brains around that. Um, But what is interesting, because they say that these birds are... Very common, but most people actually don't get a really good glimpse of them. But also some of this might have to do with the fact that they look like robins. So as I go through this description of the imp- the appearance, it's you keep a like the thought of a robin in your head. If you can, like a Mr. Robin Redbreast. Okay, sure. Yeah, so it's got like kind of a... Um, the males are going to be darker than the females, so the men are going to be more like jet black, but the women are going to be more like robin colored, so kind of grayish on like the top half. And then the wings are going to be that same grayish color. But on their flanks, on their sides, there is a rufous brownish red splotch. So it's actually very similar to the color of Mr. Robin Redbreast's breasts. Interesting. But... So it's just the flanks. It's just the flanks, the sides that are rufous colored. Whereas between that, like on the true belly, it's just bright white. Whereas like on a robin red breast, it's like the whole like flank and underside is going to be rufous. Interesting. Which is to say like brownish red. Sure. So that's how we identify them. So really they kind of look like female robins in particular. Okay. So they're very easy to confuse and then also... They're also hanging out in the brush all the time. So these guys, their habitats are going to be just very much like on the forest floor, like flitting around in the leaf litter, looking for their bugs and their seeds and their worms and stuff and the occasional lizard. 
we don't really see them because they're not flying around and they're not hanging out much in the trees. Uh-huh. And they look like robins. So we're just like, oh, that's just a robin over there. Right? So we might not see them, but we're definitely going to hear them because when I listened to the bird call of the towhee, I was like, oh, I've heard this so many times. How do they describe it? It's like, it's like they're tweeting the phrase like, drink your tea. So it's like, drink your tea. Wow. <laughs> So that's kind of what they sound like, but it's definitely a bird call that I've heard before, but I've never really known like where it was coming from. Sure. So it was a towhee. And, but anyway, the men are very um, defensive of their nests to the point where they're like trying to defend territory. That's actually more territory than they need. Uh huh. So they're like bossy little selfish birds. They're like the Veruca salt of birds. Yeah, kind of. They're just like, being real loud and snippy about what they don't need in the first place. And when they want it. They want it. It makes them feel good. Yeah, drink your tea or the other word that people have kind of used onomatopoeically for the uh, tweet is like, chewink, chewink. <laughs> so typically, as far as like nesting goes when it comes to towie loveys, hmm. um, are they me. foot fetishists? No, no. I was just trying to make like a cute like. To he love to he te, to to he tee hees. <laughs> tee hee tee hee tee hee. I knew you would come up with it, Mister Capricious Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> I sold a couple of those. I know you did. If you just tell people, if you just catch them off guard a little bit, sometimes they'll just buy it because they like your chutzpah. It's true. It's true. That's part. That's sales, man. It's a lot of sales. It's just, just sales. It's why I'm so bad at it. Because I'm just like, well, I don't know. Maybe you should give some of your money to poor people. <laughs> but that's not a good, like, central core belief to have right. as a salesperson. Exactly. <laughs> it's gotten me into trouble. Okay, so let's <laughs> scratch what I said before. Getting into the toe-hee tee-hees. Tee-hee, tee <laughs> So um, typically the nest site is going to be on the ground also, like under a shrub, because these are ground-dwelling birdies. These aren't like nests up in the upper canopy. So it's often an open cup of grass, twigs, weeds, rootlets, strips of bark, and lined with finer materials, sometimes including animal hair. Whoa. You can imagine like a pretty luxe nest here. Yeah, with furs to keep us all warm. With furs. Oh my gosh. Okay, so typically the young, there's going to be usually like three to four eggs laid. Mommies do the incubation, but both mommy and daddy feed the nestlings. Okay, and this is where it gets a little bit like weird. So there are these birds called cowbirds. And they're, but they're like parasite birds because what they do is they go into the nest, say for instance, of a towhee and they kick out one of the towhee eggs and like put in one of their cowbird eggs. Uh huh. And the mommies are just, what does it say? It's saying, um, towhees, unlike some other birds, show no ability to recognize or remove imposters' eggs. So, like, they just they raise the cowbird's babies and they don't even know it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because <laughs> they just don't know it. They just don't recognize it. They're so aloof. They're like, dope, 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 dope. Or they're just so overwhelmed with like the task of motherhood that it's just sure. like, 
It's an open mouth, like put food in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like the extent of my, oh, I mean, I don't know if I said this, but it's like Eastern United States is their region. So chances of us. You, I don't believe you have. Okay. But that's yeah. yes. the Tohees. The Eastern United States very common kind of, I mean, the, the, the submarine region is going to be more like in the South, so like Kentucky and about South of there, but pretty much they're year round anywhere from like New York on down. So they're very common. But I've never seen one that I knew of. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I don't really have any questions, Meredith. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Keep an eye out. Now aware of this bird, the eastern tohi. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll keep an eye out. It's fine. Yeah. I, I'm i looking at a picture of it now, Meredith. I have to say that is quite the Rufus flank. Right? Oh, I didn't even tell you my favorite part. The French refer to them as tohi au flanc roux. Oh, we. Oui. Yes. Oui, oui. Oui, oui. Well, um, je ne sais pas. <laughs> je sais, je sais. Oui. À prendre, no, prendre, no. I'm not going to try it. Shall we take a break? Oui. <laughs> no. No. Au revoir. <laughs> hey, Hector. How's your day going? Are you excited for today's rodentumentary about furrows and ARCTV? I think it's going to be so swell. Jeez, Francis, quiet down. I'm a sleepy rodent. Why are you sleepy, Hector? Don't you get hours of deep sleep in your warm and cozy burrow? My burrow is so cozy. I'm sure yours is just as nice. My burrow is plenty warm, Francis. It's just that I have trouble sleeping. Why do you have trouble sleeping? Is it because of the state of our world? Or maybe you're laying awake regretting things you said to strangers five years ago. Or maybe you're winning hypothetical arguments against friends and family members. It's all those things, Francis. And more. Wow! I can really relate, Hector. I used to have so much trouble sleeping until I found the exciting new brand clubby product, Melatrodent's Sleep aids for rodent. Melatrodent? Yes, melatrodent. Sleep aids for rodent. Oh, Francis, what's going on with melatrodent? It's a specially synthesized compound of melatonin, a popular sleep aid amongst primates. Melatrodent, the latest offering for Bram Clubby's pharmaceutical appendage, is treated and adapted to accommodate the specific metabolic needs of all families in the order Rodentia. <sighs> Well, that's nice, Francis. So is it like a pill or something? Yes, Hector. It's a pill that's also available in gel caps. Just pop the pill past your non-paltry incisors and gulp down two ounces of delicious water, then lay down. After about 15 minutes, you'll drift off into a deep and restful sleep. That sounds amazing, Francis. I really need some shut-eye. Well, then Brand Clumpy's new Melatronin Sleep Aid for Rodents is right for you. Just please note that the side effects include palpitations, tooth loss, incisor removal, shrunken toenails, lost tails, run on sentences, confusion, deception, reduced fecundity, exfoliant aversion, liquid stool, solid urine, plasma vomit, semiconductive eyelashes, lost wages, and a glorious rodent sleep. All right, 
so Meredith, today we're reading reviews for the Aquion Mini Aquarium Heater, 2-gallon, 5-watt. Aquarium Heater? Aquarium Heater, that's right. Help keep your sidekicks water warm with Aquion's Mini Aquarium Heater. Placing a heater in your aquarium helps maintain a steady temperature throughout the day and at night to keep your fish comfortable. Sidekick? Mm-hmm. It's ideal for small tropical fish and suitable for tanks that can hold up to two gallons of water. I want to know the person who has a fish as a sidekick. Well, uh, I'm going to say Kylie thinks that this is a lifesaver, literally. Five stars. I was very worried for my neon Tetras before I got this heater. It keeps the tank at the right temperature at all times now. Works amazing and does wonders for my healthy fish. If they could talk, I know they would be telling me how thankful they are for it. (laughs) For it! And then we have a one-star review from Mark T, who says, this is not doing its job. I think Mark has a fish as a sidekick. He says, (laughs) have bad luck with beta fish dying over winter months and hoped this would keep water temp at 75 to 80 degrees per beta recommendations. Have two-gallon tank and this heater is not warming water. Have heater for a few weeks now and assumed may take week or two to keep water warm. Put finger in tank every morning and water is very cold. Feels like 60s. I scoop out large coffee cup of water every morning, boil in microwave, and replace in tank. And this is only way can keep water warm enough for fish to survive. Well, okay. Mark, I'm just going to have to say you might want to start with some like articles and conjunctions. And next, you're going to want to... Maybe make sure it's plugged in and that it's calibrated properly. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, you know, like, also, the letter Y is nothing to be afraid of. She's there for you. She's your friend. As is the letter I. Letters are our friends. Letters are our friends, Mark T. That's our fish position. (laughs) Ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Meredith, what's your internet pet product? Okay, my internet pet product is the Frisco Cactus Cat scratching posts oh me wow me wow indeed and i'm actually like does claude need this my mom would be like please please stop buying the cat presents yeah (laughs) the pouncing prawn is quite enough okay this one is tight this is from trace and this was like a few days ago attractive and unique scratching post this is an attractive and unique scratching post it's tall enough to allow my cats to stretch up and scratch the carpet part however if they'll want to scratch a little lower on the sisal rope, they can do that too. However, the main thing is that the kitty, the kitties, the kitties actually use it. It is. Plus, it's cute and decorative and seems to be holding up well after about a month or two of the kitties scratching on it. Another nice thing, I was able to buy this cactus post on sale at Chewy.com and they delivered it very quickly as they seem to do with all my other orders. The cactus scratchy post was super easy to assemble too. I'm 95% satisfied with this order. The only downside is that the cats can't climb up and sit on top of the scratching post as they like to do with many of our others. They have. That's because this cactus post is rounded and soft at the top. However, they still seem to enjoy scratching on it versus the furniture. So overall, I'm very happy with this purchase and would recommend it to others. Wow. Very thorough review. That was a very thorough review. Let's check out some one-star reviews. Please. This one is from Andy with an I. Showing no interest. 
This arrived several weeks ago, and my furry guys are showing absolutely no interest in. Mm. Period. They, they prefer to either use the rug-type scratching post or the couch. Other, less picky cats would probably enjoy it, though. Ooh, Andy. Snarky snark snark. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these one-star reviews involve a lot of projection. Yes, always. And look, again, a lot of them are, like, coming at it for the cats not being into it. And I'm like, I don't know. It's a cat. Like, what the fuck do you expect? Everything you bring home is not going to be a home run. It's a fucking cat. They want to play with things that come off of a milk jug. Yeah. Cats are jerks. But they're just, they're more creative than that. Right. They're going to do whatever. (laughs) They don't care. Right. So just get off your high horse, human. Just because you spent money on it doesn't mean the cat's going to like it. So there's that. Texana me. Kingdom. And Amelia, we're not talking ceramics. Phylum. Snidaria, snidocytes deliver stings. Class. Hydrozoa, they have a polyp stage. Order. Anthoathelaceta, FK, hemoblastia. Family. Oceaniidae, it's one of 50 families. Genus. Turritopsis, it's a genus. Species. Dorni, the immortal jellyfish. It can revert completely to a sexually immature stage after having already reached sexual maturity. The immortal jellyfish, that's what it's called? Or are you just, like, bumping it up? No, that's what that's the common name for it. <laughs> Turritopsis dohrini. Okay. Dohrini. It's like, I don't even know how to spell it. How do you say, how do you say it? D-O-H-R-N-I-I. Dohrini, right? Like, dohrini. Dohrini. Dohrini, yeah. Okay, look. Snodarians, we're Kingdom Animalia. It's not about ceramics. Phylum Snodaria. We have eleven thousand species of aquatic animals. These are jelly creatures. We've talked about them before. Jelly creatures. They live both in freshwater and marine environments, but predominantly in marine environments. They have snidocytes, which are specialized cells that sting and are used to capture prey. Mm. They're mainly made up of mesoglea, which is a non-living jelly-like substance that's sandwiched between two layers of epithelium, which are typically one cell thick. So epithelium is one of four types of animal tissues. We have nervous tissues, muscle tissues, connective tissues, and epithelium. (gasps) Wait, so I have epithelium? (gasps) You do, and it is your skin. Like my epidermis. Like your epidermis. So this mesoglea, this non-living jelly-like substance, is sandwiched between two layers of skin matter, but it's tip it's typically one cell thick, so it's a very thin skin. Okay. So don't insult them, they might cry. They're sad. <laughs> Delicate. Okay, now we got a subphylum, Medusazoa. It's a clade of snidarians, often considered a subphylum. So this means that they have a Medusa stage in their lifestyle, which happens to be quite complex. 
So the Medusa is that typical umbrella-like shape, right. umbrella-shaped body yes. with the stinging tentacles around the end, what we commonly think of when we think of <laughs> jellyfish. And almost all of that are called jellyfish mm-hmm. in their free-swimming Medusa phase. Mm-hmm. Now we get to the class Hydrozoa. And so this means that they all have a polyp stage. <laughs> And they mostly capture their prey by discharging harpoon-like structures, the desmonemes from chambers. (laughs) The snidea and specialized cells, nematocytes on the tentacles. So they discharge harpoon-like structures from their tentacles. It's like love dart stuff. It's love dart stuff, yeah. And so they're almost always adhesive and entrapping. Okay. Whereas other jellies do a puncture and poison route as opposed to an adhesive and snare entrapment. They do puncture and poison. So I guess it, it's, it isn't like a love dart because a love dart is not meant to like harm. It's just meant to prime the pump. Correct. Yeah. Correct. We're going to get through tax facts, but we're going to come back to the hydrozoa. Okay. So now we have order anthoathacata, athacate, hyoids. Oof. Hydroids, athacate hydroids. They're an order of hydrozoans belonging to the phylum Cendaria, obviously. There's a bunch of alternate scientific names for this long-known, heavily discussed, and spectacular group. It's been called the Gymnoblastia, the Anthromedusa, Athaceta, Hydromedusa, and Stylosterina. There's about 1,200 species worldwide. They always have a polyp stage. And then we kind of like run, you know, family Oceanidae. There's 50 Snodarian families in this order. This is one of them. It has 50 species and 10 genera. Genus, Turritopsis. It's a genus. Species, Dorini, the immortal jellyfish. So it's Medusa stage. It's jellyfish stage is bell-shaped, and it has a max diameter of four and a half millimeters, which is like a 0.18 inch. It's like a little less than a fifth of an inch. And it's about as tall as it is wide. Don't call it that. It can't handle it. Right? The young specimens are typically about like one millimeter in diameter, and they'll have eight tentacles evenly spaced on the edge. But adults will have up to 80 to 90 tentacles. Oh, whoa. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Medusa stage is free living. What does that mean? It floats around free. It's not held down to Oh, anything. okay. That'll make more sense in a minute. Okay. So it's not like effing all the jellyfish around it. No. no well, I mean, who's to say? <laughs> all right. So it's a global species. It's believed that it originated in the Pacific, but spread throughout the world via transarctic migration. And also in ballast water, discharges of large ship. It's a great hitchhiker. Mm. They're carnivorous. They eat plankton, fish eggs, small mollusks. It eats and excretes through its mouth, shitting where it eats, quite literally. (laughs) And it'll use its tentacles to, as I said, like entrap and then also flex. They'll flex to direct the prey towards the mouth. Big flex. Like most other jellyfish, apparently, or like many other jellyfish, it is eaten mainly by other jellyfish but also by sea anemones, tuna, sharks, swordfish, sea turtles, and penguins. Whoa. Penguins. Get in there, penguinos. Yeah. Okay, so now let's go back, and we're going to talk about hydroids. Okay. So this is the class, hydrozoa. So all creatures in this class do this. 
So a hydroid is a life stage for most of the animals in this class. Okay. Where they become like attached, they become like a polyp and they attach directly to the substrate, which is like kind of like the earth, you know, like, or whatever material is like, you know, you can grow out of. And they're in like colonies. And so the original polyp anchors to the substrate and forms a bud. And then it like, they grow out of that or something. And then there's like this thing called the stolon, which like roots the colonies. It's like a horizontal connection between the organisms. It's like exoskeletons sort of structure, <laughs> like a kind of like apartment building almost, you know, that they all like live, <laughs> like grow out of or something. It's like stems or something. It's like a stem structure. It's like common in plants, but like, I don't know, I guess these creatures do it. I feel like you've asked so many questions and I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really. And so they like exist in these sort of colonies and they almost kind of look like plants. Okay. So it's kind of weird. They like go through these different life phases where they're like part of a structure that's attached to the ocean floor and then there's other periods where they're free floating okay (laughs) look they're like they're the subject of a 90s like mainstream rock song like you can't hold me down right can't set me adrift right i'm bruce floating (sighs) right so i guess like most jellyfish that would go through this phase would like do this like kind of polyp thing first and then they'd like release into um the medusa stage but like i don't completely totally understand this and i'm curious about understanding it but the point is is that most jellyfish kind of have this like linear life Mm -hmm. phase but these jellyfish can be the little polyps and then they can turn into the medusa stage and then if they're injured or if they're you know there's a sudden temperature change or a reduction of salinity or starvation, they can transform back into the polyp because that will help them Why? survive. Oh, I don't completely understand. It's okay. You know, it's okay. It, it's like, I don't completely get it. It's like they transform from stolons into polyps and then into medusas and then back into polyps again crazy um, i just and so they may be biologically immortal you know assuming they don't get eaten but like i guess in theory it is possible that they could live forever you know what? just by like shape-shifting like that yeah by shape-shifting you know what's nuts is that here we are like so consumed with our own lives and just kind of myopic in our day-to-day meanwhile underneath the ocean <laughs> There are creatures that are completely becoming, like, different mediums. They're, like, literally changing shapes. They're, and they're, like, just broadcasting their spamoriforms out into the ocean and just hoping that, like, catches in some clam womb. And it's just, there's creatures hooking together and changing sex. There's crazy things happening underneath us. All the time. And we don't even think about it. Yeah. Like, I know. Here's the Snodarian, and it can just, like, if it's 
If it's like, oh, the salt, the water's not salty enough, it can just be like, I'm a polyp again. And then it can like <laughs> become a polyp. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, again, it's like, I don't completely understand this life cycle s- stuff of the Snodarians and everything. Uh, and again, most are not like this. And most like hyoids are not like this, but it's this particular creature has evolved this right. sort of concept. And it has not been observed doing this in the wild, probably because it would require field observation at the exact right, right moment. Of course, of course. And, you know, it has to be said that most individuals are going to fall victim, you know, to being eaten by predators or succumbing to diseases, you know. Sure. Um, but it's interesting to scientists, obviously. And so there are scientists who are inspired by this to make stem cells using this process for renewing damaged or dead tissues in humans. So that's interesting. Perhaps some medical applications. Love that. Yeah. And that's kind of my presentation, Meredith. Again, a couple short presentations today, right and tight. I'm okay with that. Sometimes we need that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any questions? (laughs) I know I have lots. I do too, but it's just, you know... I'll save them. Okay, cool. I'll channel it into the dance. <laughs> right. I definitely want to know more about those hydrozoans. I think that's kind of cool. It's like they have this polyp stage right. where they're almost plant-like, you know? Like, that's interesting. Yeah, and it, it's like one of those lines of inquiry where you know you're going to follow it, and then you're just going to be like, oh, this is like echinoderms all over again. There's just so mm-hmm. much to understand and wrap your mm-hmm. head around. And it's like, this is going to take all day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel. Well, (laughs) definitely. Well, I guess let's take a break. This season on Channel 4. The claws come out. But the oven mitts go on. As 12 amateur crabs once again gather in the kitchen. For the fifth shell-cracking season of... The Great Crab Cake-Off. Watch every week as these crabs cover up their biological aprons with baking aprons. In week after week of the sweetest, stickiest, sprinkliest, and shelliest cake challenges to date. Watch our bakers scuttle around sideways as they make sea sponge cake, lobster pound cake, angel fish cake, and everyone's favorite red tide cake. Tune in this season to the Great Crab Cake Off to find out who puts the, the crust. Incrustation. Oh, is that like tortilla chips? Yeah, it sounds like tortilla chips crumbled over a delicious bowl of tortilla soup. Oh, I love tortilla soup. Yeah, me too. This must be the Meredith and Mike feedback. (laughs) Yeah, we're here. Meredith, Beth from Bay Ridge wants to know, does pizza rat speak for all rats? I really love this question. I would like to think like that level of, I don't know, like tenacious food getting, like chutzpah surrounding food. Like all rats are probably unified within that, but like, would all rats be down for such a challenge? I doubt that. I think that was like upper echelons of like rat um, ingenuity. Rat accomplishments. 
rat accomplishments, it's like great and like great moments and rat herstory. Sure. Would be pizza rat. I almost feel like it was easier as a human to identify with pizza rat than it would be maybe for a rat to identify with pizza rat, you know? True. Or maybe rats are doing like even crazier things all the time, which actually I'm probably more inclined to believe. Like that's just one that got captured. Yeah. But they're probably out there like pushing strollers and rescuing puppies. It's who knows. There was definitely a, you know, time pre-COVID when I was on a yellow train that pulled into the 49th Street stop right in Times Square. Yeah. And I was all the way at the front of the train, like by the trash, like where the trash barrels are. And I watched the other people on the train react to what they were seeing happen and heard the rat sounds. Yes. And was kind of relieved that I wasn't missing it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that they're probably pretty crazy. And, I mean, yeah, maybe Pizza Rat is just, like, the beginning. Yeah. So, I'm going to say, like, at the basis level, yeah, he speaks for all rats. But there's more to the story. (laughs) I think, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I'm on board with that. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, Sally from Des Moines asks... Is the elephant from the elephant show still alive? Whoa, Sally. Sally, this is a deep cut. Wow, yeah. I used to insist on watching the elephant show, and I called it the edgy show. I think I always called it Sharon, Lois, and Bram. Oh, that's nice. Because those were the hosts. It's like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah, but I called it Peter or Sharon, Lois, and Bram. I love that. And I always ate... Um, this was like my snack when I watched the elephant show when I was like a little wee thing was I would take two waffles and have them with peanut butter and jelly. Like two freezer waffles. It goes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the elephant show and that elephant, I, you know, I just did a quick search and I cannot find out if that elephant is still alive or not. Or the actor that played that elephant. Interesting. I can't. I can't find any confirmation on that. In a quick search, Meredith, it says Sharon Lois and Brand's The Elephant Show. So you were calling it one of the two things that was on the TV screen. Oh, yeah. Well, then, okay. Not that far. I'm very curious. I want to know. I want to know more. I guess I want to see some of The Elephant Show. It's going to feel like no time passed. Because I remember when I heard that song, I was like, oh, my gosh. The Skinnamarinky Dinky Dink song? Yes, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, I think I remember every word to that. Yeah. Pretty easy. There's a 10-minute loop of Skinnamarink on YouTube. Of course there is. I love YouTube. I know. All right, well, I guess a fish position. We don't know. We don't know. The internet will not tell us. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Well, Brian from Fayetteville wants to know, what's an Elephant Shrew's favorite appetizer at TGI Fridays? Oh, the Elephant Shrew. Okay, so what are we talking? Can you pull up a menu, Mike? Can we, like, get a list? I'm on it right now. Yes! I love okay, this. So, <laughs> so uh, here we go. View menu. Well, we need to enter a zip code or a postal code for a regional menu. Do we want to do, like, your, like, Cleveland? Yeah, let's do Cleveland. So this is a Cleveland Browns fan elephant shrew on the west side of Cleveland <laughs> at the TGI Fridays that is closest to my childhood home. All right? Got it. So we got the classic combo, which comes with boneless or regular wings, four loaded potato skins, 
four mozzarella sticks. We have the signature whiskey glazed sampler. I think we're going to just exclude platters and samplers. We're going to look just at single menu items. Yeah. Yeah. So we have wings roulette. You can mix and match your three <laughs> favorite boneless or traditional wing flavors. We have boneless wings and traditional wings. <laughs> we have signature whiskey glazed sesame chicken strips. We've got mozzarella sticks. we got loaded potato skins, oh green bean fries, pan-seared pot stickers, chips and sauces, spinach and artichoke dip, warm pretzels, signature whiskey glazed sliders, new Philly cheesesteak egg rolls. Ooh, Philly cheesesteak egg rolls sound dope. Dark horse there, late in the game. Oh my gosh, those appetizers sound like like Taylor written for a parody of TGI Fridays. It's so funny. It does. I think we can eliminate chips and chip-based items as well as chicken wings. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Yeah, probably Elephant Shrew doesn't want that. You know, I think maybe... Hmm, it's probably going to be something more grain-based. Grain or green? Grain. Okay. Do you think like a uh, ooh, like a warm pretzel maybe? Ooh, oh yeah. They're going to love that pretzel. With the poblano queso dipping sauce garnished with green onions? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah. That's my vote. That's my vote. Okay, 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 okay. I received that vote. I mean, I guess, what else do we have here? We have the whiskey, the signature whiskey glazed sesame chicken strips, mozzarella sticks. I just don't think the elephant shrew is in that headspace now. And also, I'm sorry, I can't pay $9 for six mozzarella sticks at a restaurant. Like, I can't do that. Like, I'm just not doing that. It's insane. It's in the markup on moss sticks is insane. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. Uh, the green bean fries are curious. And I have to say, Meredith, though, that those new Philly cheesesteak egg rolls are like limited time only. I feel like the elephant true just got off the gig. <laughs> He's got his saxophone and his Afro theremin in his hatchback parked outside of the CGI fries. Yes. yes. He wants, you can only order off the appetizer menu. He's looking for something that has like an appropriate amount of protein. But yep. he doesn't want to go for the sliders because he also wants, like, I don't know, maybe a little bit of vegetables. And this sure. is stuffed with roast beef, onions, red, and green bell peppers and melted cheese. Yeah. And it is also served with the poblano queso dipping sauce. Ooh. 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 That's what I would go for. That right there. Mm. Yeah. That or the pretzel. I'd probably get either of those, really. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> I think if we were both elephant shrews and we were both at a TGI Fridays and we could both order one appetizer, that perhaps we would do some sort of sharing situation. And I think the pretzels and the new Philly cheesesteak egg rolls like would be a good Mike, what I would give to be an elephant shrew with you ordering (laughs) apps at a TGI Fridays right now. I know. It's like a dream come true. (laughs) Okay. Well, ding, ding, ding. A fish position. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, well, thank you. Keep the questions coming. Animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. You know, we'd love to hear from you. And we would love to get an app at TGI Fridays with you, too. Yeah. Dressed <laughs> as an elephant shrew. <laughs> yeah. Well, until then. Au revoir. Bye. Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. 
Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club. <laughs>